0: it's time now for the complete story with rich bot a public news and information feature of bot radio network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day now here is rich bot with today's complete story this is Evan Fowler for Bot Radio Network, along with Rich Bot. We are here at the Values Voter Summit in Washington, D.C. Yes,
1: we are, Evan, and this is so exciting to be here. There's some great speeches and, and some wonderful heroes of the faith and, and and heroes that are standing for righteousness here in our nation's capital. And uh, some of them are on, on the platform, and a lot of them are in the hallways, and we have a chance to meet with them and visit with them, and we have one with us today.
0: That's right. right his now. name is William Murray. And William Murray is the son of Madeline Murray O'Hare, and William, we'll call you Bill, if that's if that's all sure, right. Sure. Uh, tell us the story because some of our listeners know your story and know the story of your mother extremely well. But let's not. Well, assume. Heaven,
1: this goes back like to 1962, yes, I believe. Sure and 19,
2: 1960 to 63. The, okay. The, my mother filed the lawsuit to remove prayer from public schools. In 1960. Oh. Uh, That case uh, went up through the courts. There was a decision in 62 that wasn't ours, and it, it actually only removed mandatory prayer from the school. Uh, Our decision was in 63. It was Mm. Murray versus Curlett, And that removed all prayer from schools, whether it was voluntary or or mandatory. And the
1: reason that resonates with me is because that's when Bot Radio Network began in November of 62. So right in that maelstrom of whether or not we could have prayer in the schools is when Bot Radio Network started. And you are the, the student that the case centered
2: around that that that's right my mother uh, brought the the case in 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 my name uh it was a lot more complicated than that i i have a book that that, that i wrote in uh, uh 80 uh, 82 83 that's still impressed at press today that's called uh, my life without god that details it um uh, much more complicated people think that my mother was some kind of an atheist intellectual actually she was a communist who had to, uh, attempted to defect to the soviet union she was the chairman of the fair play for cuba committee in in maryland uh, uh which uh, lee harvey oswald yeah. was a member of in in texas um, um a pro castro uh, uh, just a, a utopianist which is my, my 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 most recent book, Utopian Road to Hell, makes sense because I really understand this stuff. Uh, but it it was a horribly dysfunctional home, among other things, which is uh, the reason my mother was uh, involved in this. And oftentimes, when you trace back the records to the people that are are the activists um, for utopian societies, you find out that they they came uh, from uh, a horribly dysfunctional environment environments or or situations and now they think they can bring some order to the world Mm Um, to satisfy their own But you needs. were
1: just a little boy. What grade were you in school back well, then? Well,
2: I wasn't really a little boy. Uh, you know, what we, what we think of as little boys today in America isn't. Uh, I was 14 years old oh. when this started. That was the average age of a soldier in Roman times. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, uh, now uh, we... Adult, so you have adult, really good, you have really oh, good memory course, about all of, of this. Of course, I, 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 I in My Marxist-Leninist study classes meeting, Gus Hall, the chairman of the Communist Party, all of that. Today, we think adults. Alda started Around 30. So, were you but,
1: like a willing participant
2: in this? Oh, well, Of course, yeah. I, I was totally brainwashed into this. I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, I was, I was involved in all of these Marxist-Leninist study classes. Uh, uh, you know, part of uh, uh, my mother was a manager of the Communist Party bookstore in Baltimore, Maryland, at one time. Uh, you, you know, I I, well, I, 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 know the system. I know communism. I can guarantee you better than than most Russian kids well, at my age at the time.
1: What was that like for you? as a 14 year old I was like junior high age or something uh, I imagine the students and, and some of the administration they didn't appreciate some of the th- trouble you were bringing
2: no but it was baltimore and baltimore had a a, a huge uh, a communist movement the the uh, uh, the docks were controlled by the IWW, the International Workers of the World. I mean, it wasn't many cities that could have a communist party bookstore. So you were uh, getting
1: affirmation from uh, all there, of these there different was, groups. There,
2: there was a the the, the movement was a lot bigger than people today think. That oh, this was hardly anybody. Uh, the reality is, and still today, the Socialist Unions can still control most of the docks. They control them in Los Angeles and in San Francisco and, and so forth.
1: Well, sometime God did a work in your life can you tell us about well, that yes
2: the, the the lord really reached down touched me pulled me up out of my muck in in uh, uh 1980 actually the the same year that ronald reagan was uh, was running for president uh and uh in in fact that was uh, i met uh, uh, governor reagan that year which was a uh an interesting uh, situation but um uh you know, it was, uh, I had uh, from being raised in that, that whole dysfunctional uh, environment in that dysfunctional uh, home had led me to a lot of behaviors that were destructive mm. and fortunately, uh, you know, the Lord was there to reach down and grab me up out of that behavior and to, to put me onto a better track in life.
1: Well, what happened? Did, did you hear Billy Graham preach oh, a sermon or no, did somebody no, hand you no, a no, book no, no. or, or you what? Know, I I you used read to, the I, Bible? I,
2: yes, but I, I used to tell people if I were with Waiting for somebody from the local Baptist church to knock on my door, I'd probably still be an atheist. <laughs> you know, but God it, reached it, you. But, 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 but he did. But it was, it, was a, it was out of desperation of me searching for some kind of hope. Mm. Uh, not, uh, not somebody coming, uh, to me, fortunately, that, that uh, God,
1: God-shaped vacuum in the your heart.
2: God-shaped vacuum in, in your heart. And fortunately at that time, I like to read, uh, historical novels. And I happened to read a, a novel by a Catholic lady by the, uh, it was Dear and Glorious Physician and, um, Dear and Glorious Physician is the, the life of, of Luke. Uh, many people look at her book as apostasy because it's pre-cross awareness and, You know, uh, things of that nature. But it does accurately portray. Uh, at least as somebody could imagine, well, the life of, of Luke and in, in his conversion, and that book. Even though I, I read it as as not as a, a Christian, but as a, a, a secularist, as an atheist, simply because I liked uh, those historical novels at that period of time, and it had a, uh, a, a tremendous impact on me. Particularly the ending of the book, uh, where um, uh, she uh, she said, "If you want to read the rest of the story about Luke, you, Luke, you can find it in the in the." Gospel of Luke in the Holy Bible. And that
1: led you to the Bible
2: that uh, p- actually preyed on my mind for the to, to for months until I would literally dream about it until finally I, I literally got up in the middle of the night one time and went out and looked for a Bible in order to to finish the story that I had read and it was there that I learned the truth about Jesus the truth that set me free uh, from the chains of, of sin and immorality and all other things the same the, the same uh, truth that can set all men free if they'll Simply accept it.
1: My goodness! Now, now you are the the head of a, a religious liberty organization, the champions Re-
2: religious freedom, religious freedom coalition. Yes, of uh, uh, thirty years, and uh, we're based in Washington D.C. Have uh, logistical offices in in Virginia, and we do we work on projects on Capitol Hill, legislative products and projects, and then we have uh, uh, some pretty big projects overseas. Yes, that, that tell help us about Christians. that
1: because because now you are helping to provide crisp Christmas for refugees around the world,
2: well it, we, we work uh, the Christmas program is primarily in the Middle East. We work with Christian refugees. Uh, people really misunderstand this Syrian and, and I, I spent a lot of time there and when uh, the second uh, Iraq war came along and the devastation that came along with it, and then the Syrian uh, civil war people do not understand these were not folks living in tents with camels these were not third world nations Uh, the 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 christians there uh, were people that were living middle-class homes had college educations had Mm. swimming pools in their backyards Uh, their kids went to private schools and had ipods and now the entire family is living in a tent and they managed to escape with the clothes on their back And what we are doing is giving those children a program for a day that is the kind of Christmas that they used to have yes. when they were back inside of, of their home. Where, where they celebrate the birth of Jesus. Where they celebrate the birth of Jesus. Well,
1: right. God bless you for the work you're doing. Is there a website or how uh, can cr- people.
2: Christmasforrefugees.org. It's Christmasforrefugees.org, and the program has explained what we do and the countries we're operating in, yes. Well, and Bill,
1: thank you for sharing your testimony with us and, and telling us about this
0: wonderful work, Christmas for Refugees. Thank, thank you. God bless. Thank you, you William. Rich, up next here at the Values Voter Summit, we have Dr. Alveda King and a, a good friend of, uh, of ours and of Bot Radio Network. And our listening, listening family has heard you on the air on Bot Radio Network a number of times, and we're yes. so glad to have you here.
3: Many, many times. It's so good to join you both. And hello, listeners. And, of course, it would be uh, wonderful if Dick were here, too. Yes, it but would. he's with this, us in spirit. This, this so is Rich, this and, is and,
1: and I'm here, and he is listening, I'm sure. Okay. And, uh, Dr. King, we were just together not too long ago in Kansas City. And uh, you have been mightily used of the Lord. Let me just explain for our listeners who may not know, but you are the niece of Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Your father, Dr. A.D. King, was uh, Martin Luther King's uh, brother. Brother. Let me me just just adjust that up there. Okay.
3: It just keeps moving. I think it's because this is heavy. Okay. okay. I got it now. Okay.
1: So um, God has given you a tremendous platform for ministry.
3: Well, actually, God has blessed me in so many ways, and as the daughter of A.D. and Naomi King, and A.D. is the youngest of the three children of Daddy King and Mama King, Yes. and so you've got the two preaching brothers, Mm -hmm. M.L., the older, and A.D., the younger, and it's so interesting that generation by generation, we've had preachers arise in every generation, and today... 67 years after I was born in Atlanta, Georgia in 1951, I'm still a a gospel evangelist. Yes.
1: You know, somebody explained to me when I was young that being born into a Christian home no more makes you a Christian than being born in a garage makes you an automobile. That's true.
3: It's a hard thing. You have to make the commitment yourself.
1: There came a time in your life when you trusted Christ. Can you tell us about that?
3: That wonderful experience occurred in 1983. I was in my 30s, and I had been a state legislator, an actress with Burt Reynolds. I had college degrees and all of this. I didn't know that about you. were an actress with Burt Reynolds? With Burt Reynolds. <laughs> it's Sharky's Machine and a couple of other movies. Oh, I didn't know that. And the credits still roll. You see my name. I was in North and South, the movie and all of this, Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. And here I was on top of the world, so to speak. I was married to a rich young doctor, and we were birthing our children. We ended up having five children together. I had my first two, my only two abortions earlier in my first marriage, and I had abortions and a miscarriage. But then I had remarried, so here I was now at the top of the world again, with the acting and being a state legislator and Martin Luther King's niece and all of this, and a college professor peer of mine. I had gone to work as a college professor, and she asked me, Alveda, who is Jesus?" And when she asked me that, I remembered all my little. He arose, he arose from the dead, theology from Bible school, and I could say that he's uh, born of the Virgin Mary and died on the cross, but that was things I had learned as a girl, but I didn't have a relationship. She asked me three times, Alveda, who is Jesus? The third time, I got upset with her because she wouldn't accept my theology. She would not accept my intellect. She wanted to know from my heart, and I said, well, I guess he's God. Then I said, wait a minute. I know he's got Yes. And the moment I said that, my whole world changed. And every question I asked that woman, well, what about the Aborigines who never met Jesus? She says, Romans, in the book of Romans one, it says he's in their hearts. So she answered every question. I accepted Jesus as Lord in 1983. And I said, Lord, nothing else matters, the world, the money, the fame. I want you. And I've been walking that path since 1983.
1: And on top of everything else, you became very pro-life, and you have a ministry with Priests for Life, with Father Frank Pavone and others.
3: When I was born again, I realized I was a sinner yeah. and that I needed Jesus for me. And the abortions were part of the sin that I had to repent. And as I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Everything I did, whether I knew better or I didn't, I did it. I'm sorry. And I began to say, a woman has a right to choose what she does with her body. The baby's not her body. Where's the lawyer for the baby? And people said, what is she saying? You know? And as I began to do that, I met Father Frank Pavone and Judge Roy Moore.
1: Yes. He's actually standing right over here. And he's here at the Values Voter Summit, too. And I met
3: them in New York, and we were at a Right to Life conference. And the judge was talking about the Ten Commandments. Father Frank was talking about the sanctity of life. I found out that that's where I belonged, because yes. I agreed with them. Uh-huh. And finally, I went to work for Priests for Life as Director of Civil Rights for the unborn.
1: So uh, amidst this time that we have with all of this, this turmoil and, and so forth, uh, what's your message to America?
3: Well, I know that this message is something that I learned as a girl with my uncle, M.L., my dad, A.D., Daddy King, Acts seventeen twenty six. Of one blood, uh-huh. God made all people to live together on the face of the earth, and then Uncle ML Martin Luther King Jr. says, "So we must learn to live together as brothers, mm-hmm. and I added sisters or perish as fools." Well, if you're different races, it's impossible. To be brothers and sisters. Uh, But if you're the same race with uh the same blood, that red blood, that we all have regardless of skin color, we can be brothers and sisters.
1: Well, what what do we learn from the Bible? What does the Bible tell us about that?
3: Well, the Bible says, of one blood, God made all people Uh to live together on the face of the earth, Acts 17, 26. And then there's a better blood than that, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus. And Jesus shed his blood so that we can all really be brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in Christ.
1: We're all of the same race. We're all yeah. Adam's race. Adam's
3: race, the uh, human race. And we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus.
0: Amen. Well, you're here at the Values Voter Summit. What brought you here and what message are you going to bring? Because you're, you're going to be talking to some big groups while you're here.
3: Well, what some people don't know about my uncle Martin Luther King Jr. He was a Christian, certainly loved the Bible, but he also loved philosophy and other things and you'll hear him credited with uh, uh, respecting regarding what Gandhi said but Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau talked about civic responsibility a lot. So I'll talk about what our responsibility is as citizens of these United States. Mm-hmm. We have an obligation to vote and I will show that even my uncle agreed with that because he said that the law can. Maybe can't make you love me, but it can keep you from lynching me, and I think Uh that's pretty good. So we're going to look at the law and morality, and we're going to talk about the one blood. What do you have
1: to say about the controversy surrounding the football players that are kneeling during uh, during the national anthem?
3: Well, I know that as they bowed their knee, at least they were nonviolent in the beginning, but there was a lot of strife stirred up. And I did answer that America, we all in America need to bow our knee, but yeah. not to a flag or an mm-hmm. anthem. We need to bow our knee to God yes. and return to God.
0: Amen. Right. God bless you. Dr. Avita King, so glad to have you stop along here. Good to talk with you again. Thank
3: you so much. Thank
0: you.
1: Well, Eben, our next guest is one of my heroes, and I'm so excited that we have a chance to visit with Judge Roy Moore. You know, he is uh, a man of character and conviction and courage. We live in strategic times, and uh, he is a man for such a time as this. I don't know anybody who can quote and apply the Constitution, the Founding Fathers, and the Bible with equal ease and passion as Judge Roy Moore. Let me just say this. And I saw
0: that earlier today. I know, I know, I know.
1: Listen, this is some of the stuff you may not know about him, but he was born and reared in rural Alabama without indoor plumbing and graduated from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. He rose to the rank of captain, serving honorably, fighting for freedom in Vietnam. Uh, universe, then he went to University of Alabama Law School and then what became the Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court in Alabama twice, uh, voted by the people to be the chief justice, and he stood for the Constitution, the Ten Commandments, the acknowledgement of God, and the sanctity of marriage. Today, uh, Judge Moore uh, is about to be sent by the people of Alabama to the U.S. Senate. And, uh, you know, that's the, that's the seat that was left open by Jeff Je- Sessions, Jeff Sessions right. as he went to... Uh, become the U.S. Attorney General. So uh, we are so glad to introduce to our radio listeners right now a man of character, conviction, and courage for such a time as this, and this is Judge Roy Moore. Congratulations, Judge. Well,
4: thank you very much. Nice Uh, to be with you. I
1: I say congratulations because I was staying up late. I I had planned to stay up late to watch the election returns in this uh, primary runoff. But it didn't last very long. They called the race almost instantly. You won by such a wide margin. And uh, I just want to thank the people of uh, Alabama for sending Jeff Sessions and now sending you to the, US, uh, to the U.S. Senate for such a time as this. We just heard you speak at a luncheon meeting a
4: little bit ago, and it was just fantastic. So we, we, uh,
0: uh, you've got an election coming up. Tell us a little right. bit about that. and how's it going? How's the race going? Well, it's
4: going well. Of course, we've got eight more weeks to uh, campaign. And, and we're going to get stiff opposition from the Democratic Party in Alabama, but th- their philosophy and their uh, goals are so far distant from what I think the Alabama people want that I'm hoping that we will be successful in this very much.
1: Were you raised by Christian mom and dad in a Christian home? Yes. How did you personally come to trust Christ as your Savior?
4: Well, it's long, you know, teaching in the Bible and— Uh, I think when I uh, went through a legal experience back in the 80s, uh, I tried to do things on my own and realized that I couldn't. I had major opposition, and I began to feel some hatred in my heart. And uh, it was through an experience that I had that I was able to forgive that and uh, come closer to God.
1: Uh So has Jesus put love in your heart? Yes, he did. <laughs> How did you begin studying the Bible? I mean, you when you, when you speak, you 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 quote vast portions of Scripture just effortlessly. It just comes bubbling out of your heart, and you also quote the founding fathers and you quote, you quote the Constitution. How did you begin to study all three of those—the Bible, the Constitution, the founding fathers?
4: Well, uh, you know, I've memorized the Bible over my many years uh, since I was a child, and uh, it just means a lot to me, and uh, it. You can recall it better if you memorized it, especially uh, when you're young. That's yeah. very
1: important for young people to be it in is. the Word and and, and memorize Scripture. Right.
4: And then I also mm-hmm. started with the Constitution and uh, Founding Fathers, uh, reciting portions of the Constitution and Bible. Uh, they, it all just mixes together. I mean, it's uh, you know has the same uh, end, if you will, the mm-hmm. Constitution and and, the Bible. and I, I think I've begun a lot, it began a lot of you know, memorization because of defending myself and my positions uh, for which I stood, and when you have to defend yourself, just like in boxing or anything else, you have to lose, learn to use your uh, defensive uh, techniques as well as your uh, aggressive techniques. Oh, that's another and, That's another
1: part of your bio, and you bio. You're, to, you're a, a kickboxer. Yeah, that.
4: and you have to remember that you got to defend yourself with uh, truth and with history and with law mm-hmm. and that's why i remember I end with scripture
0: um well lord willing if you end up in the senate and you take that that open seat what are some of the things that that you think need to be done and that you hope to be involved in
4: well i hope to go back to an understanding the separation of powers checks and balances i think a lot of things are going on in government that uh we're not ex- exercising the powers we have to stop those things let's call our check in congress impeachment uh, removal, when judges put themselves above the law that's sworn to uphold, they should be impeached and removed. Uh, when legislators do the same thing, or uh, the executive, if he should do something like that. We see too many times separation of powers is not being exercised because people in Congress don't understand their power. Or if they do understand it, they don't have the courage to carry them out. We can't let a president, no matter who he is, Republican or Democrat, run away with the law and start making law applicable across our society. Likewise, you can't allow the Supreme Court to make law. The law is to be made by the Congress and the Senate and the House and Senate one together.
0: Of the, one of the examples that you gave with respect to impeachment and in particular with respect to Supreme Court judges was this decision with regard to gay marriage. You want sure. To talk about that for a moment.
4: Well, I think, you know, I've written clearly about this in a book called Abuse of Power, the United States Supreme Court's Gay Marriage Decision. It's available on Amazon, and it's just a few dollars, and you can buy it and understand in it that I explain what happens when judges put themselves above the law and our duty to oppose such judges.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, there's been a lot of discussion also about the the filibuster and you had something to say about that earlier and, and there are lots of questions about well how can we get rid of it and and can we justify getting rid of it but you had a pretty clear vision of what we should be doing there and why. well
4: the 60 vote rule is called a filibuster rule and actually it prevents any filibuster because you never get to the debate on the bill right. if you if you don't have 60 votes to get it there I think that's uh, something that contradicts the Constitution. It's unconstitutional. It should be stopped.
1: Now, Judge, they, they call you sometimes the Ten Commandments, Judge. Why, why does the Ten Commandments mean so much to you?
4: Well, because it's the basic uh, thing upon which our country was founded. Uh, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human pro- Happiness; These firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. The mere politician equally with the pious man ought to respect and cherish them. A volume cannot trace all their connection with private and public felicity or happiness. Mm. Let it simply be asked, where is the security for property, for reputation, for life? If the sense of religious obligation desert the oaths which are the instrument of investigation in our courts of justice? And let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of a peculiar structure, reason and experience both bid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. Tis virtue or morality which is the necessary spring of popular government. This rule indeed extends with more or less force to every species of free government. Who that is a sincere friend to it can look with indifference on attempts to shake the foundation of the fabric." In other words, yeah. And who said that? <laughs> Washington in his farewell address, wow. and uh, basically was talking about something that's very much needed in our society today. We wonder about all these shootings and killings and and division that's going on, and the only solution to that is virtue and morality mm-hmm. and religion. And who's religion, the, what's, the,
1: what's the source of virtue?
4: The source of virtue of the second table of the law. Yeah. Uh, honor your father and mother thou shalt not kill thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness thou shalt mm-hmm. not covet yeah the de- and
1: the definition the definition of virtue def- we find
4: find in the bible the definition is found in the 1828 dictionary of webster yeah and it's also religion was the duties you owe to the creator under the first table of the law the first four commandments and the manner of discharging those duties so yes. when Washington said of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion, and morality are indispensable supports. He could have said the first and second tables of the law of the Ten Commandments are indispensable support. In fact, the 1828 Dictionary quotes a portion of that uh, in its writings, that was after Washington said it, as, the definition of religion. Now, the the
1: importance of the Ten Commandments in your courthouse in Alabama really had a lot more to do with the acknowledgement of God.
4: Right. It was basically acknowledging the one who gave the Ten Commandments. And uh, it's very critical to our country. In fact, the Ten Commandments monument that I had in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, actually quoted some of those things that I've recited, uh, showing why it was relevant and pertinent.
1: Mm-hmm. So now you won the primary, but you have a general election coming up. What's the date for that? Uh, December 12th. December 12th. And uh, if people want to be involved and help support the work you're doing, do you need any additional support? Well, we always need support. uh,
4: (laughs) You can go to uh, roymore.org, and it'll lead you to the website.
0: Roy Moore. And that's M-O-O-R-E, isn't it? Right. We've been talking with Judge Roy Moore, who's running for the uh, the seat that Senator Jeff Sessions uh, left when he became attorney general. And Godspeed to you. We'll be praying for you. Thank you so much for stopping by.
4: Well, thank you very God much. God bless you, Judge
1: Roy Moore. Yes, sir. Duty, honor, country. That's what they teach you at the um, at the academy, at the uh, West Point, isn't
4: it? And those three hallowed words reverently dictate what you ought to be, what you can be, what you will be.
0: And you're still They're, living your life that way, aren't you? That's right. Uh, Rich, it's been good. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back uh, bringing you more from the Values Voter Summit in the next couple of days.